2: Wednesday edition of the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN. That's BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. BK, by the way, is Brandon Kylie Tanner's with us, always doing a great job. Uh, first of all, BK, good morning to you. Good morning, Dan. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. Um, yesterday, another tie. Uh, a lot of ties. I think that was the fifth tie in spring training for the St. Louis Cardinals with a 500 record. So if you want to be just really bland coming out of spring training with a record, well, you've done it. You're bland. You're 500 with a... Uh, five ties, uh, you're playing the same teams every single day, but you're getting your work in. That's all that matters.
0: What more could you ask for from spring training where we're just deciding, you know what, we're going to go ahead and end this inning here. I know we haven't got three outs. That is a fundamental piece of baseball, but not here in spring training. So it's working out well. As bland as the Cardinals have been as a team in terms of their record, though, Dan, Adam Wainwright has been anything but so far this spring.
2: He was great yesterday. More on that in a moment. John Shambi, the new play-by-play man on the television side for the Chicago Cubs, will be our guest, and many of you have seen him on ESPN, whether it be doing basketball or Sunday night baseball, or even some of the national games. Looking forward to catching up with my good friend uh, John Shambi. Waino, yesterday six innings, two hits, gave up a uh, run that was a home run to Kyle Schwarber that still hasn't landed. It was a walk and seven strikeouts. It was just the This spring, he's got 19 and two thirds. He's only allowed nine hits, four runs. His ERA is 1.83, which puts him in the top four of ERA in all of baseball, (laughs) Cactus League, Grapefruit. Um, Here's the, the question for me. Now, I think I know why they did this. You know, Jack Flaherty is supposed to be your young ace. And it is an honor to get the opening day start. It's an honor also to get the home start, which I think is more meaningful to Wainwright. And it's kind of like, all right, what's the big deal here? But I'll tell you what, if if they were saying to me, who's the, the number one starter coming out of this camp? It's 39-year-old Adam Wainwright. It's not Jack Flaherty. It's not
0: KK. It's not Michaelis. It's not any of these guys. It's 39-year-old Adam Wainwright. He's been the best one, and there is no debate. There is not even an an argument in favor of anybody else over Adam Wainwright right now. Dan, he looks unbelievable. I mean, you gave the numbers in terms of the hits, the runs, the innings. How about the strikeout-to-walk ratio? He has 20 strikeouts this spring, three walks. Yep. Yep. That's something you would expect from a young 25 mile an hour or 25 year old 100 mile an hour fastballer. This isn't what you're supposed to get from a 39 year old guy who's throwing like 91 miles an hour with a curveball. This this doesn't make any sense what we're watching. He looks better. It's crazy. And if you watched him yesterday in the
2: first inning, he struck out two of the first three. What did he get him with? fastballs because everybody's (laughs) waiting for him to maybe throw that big old uncle charlie they're sitting on a curveball they think it's coming and all of a sudden wop! here's 91 and it's placed perfectly that's the other thing i'm noticing with him i mean his his location with his pitches bk he's locked in and the curveball is the curveball it's always going to be the curveball I i went back and looked at the analytics of his curveball And I I find this to be just incredible because analytics does back up what you're watching and it can tell a player, Hey, you're doing a good job, bad job. And here are the numbers. And this is why if I'm, if you don't believe me, here it is. Well, 10 years ago, he had one of the top curve balls analytically spin rate, the different things that you look at 10 years later in 2020, he was the best in baseball. Now with all the mileage, his age, the innings, the, the, you know, the, the the times that he's been on the ropes in high-leverage situations. I mean, just think about the wear and tear on that body and still 10 year, a decade later, he still has the best curveball, arguably, in the game of baseball. The other thing that he told me, and I watched it yesterday and I, I found it fascinating... Now, he will not pitch to the hitter's strengths. I mean, he's going to go over a scouting report. He's going to look at the video just like every other pitcher. But I said to him, when things really started to come back and we're watching you, especially in 2018, when I I thought in the second half and then that stretch run that September, he was their best pitcher and he was pretty good in postseason. So what happened here? I mean, you're getting better with age. That's not supposed to happen. And he said, Danny Mac, I, I look at the video. I look at the analytics. He said, I don't stay married to it. I'm paraphrasing here. He said, I got some pretty good strengths, too. So I'm going to pitch to what I feel are my strengths. How many times do you say or hear a guy say that? It's always about why I stayed away from this part of the zone with him. I I couldn't throw him this pitch because he was going to do damage with that pitch. He said, no, no, no. I got good stuff. I need to go back to where I was even earlier in my career and saying, I'm the aggressor. Here's my stuff. And let's see if you can beat me. And I watched him pitch yesterday, changing eye levels. Uh, The changeup was really good. He threw a couple of cutters. He's not throwing as many cutters, I noticed. The other thing, the curveball is still the curveball. So watching Wainwright pitch is really a thing of beauty. And the thing of the game yesterday that I really enjoyed, it was a throwback to what baseball would I enjoy. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes seeing the old-fashioned, you know, guys hitting bombs everywhere and it's running around, that's fun. Don't get me wrong. I, I think those are fun, too. But on the flip side, it's also fun to watch a 39-year-old Adam Wainwright against a 37-year-old John Lester who isn't built up because he had surgery, and so they only had him for three and two-thirds, and these guys are are able to locate their secondary pitches. These young guys that come in and throw 100 – Still struggle with that, so it, it was just a fun game to watch. If you love baseball,
0: we talked to Lee Smith a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about velocity with him, and he, he said um, when I asked him the question, I said, "It's crazy that these guys are throwing ninety five, right?" And he said, "Yeah, but you said the key word there; it's throwing, throwing not, not pitching. pitching." Yep, and that's the difference with Adam Wainwright; he's pitching, not throwing, and you can tell the difference. It's one of those things, right? The classic definition of pornography is, "I know it when I can see it," and with Waino, you know it's pitching when you see it. And so, what, you you taken aback by this? The definition of? Pornography. Okay. It's defined by the Supreme Court. You can go okay. look it I, up. It's I all right, Dan. I don't um, need to look it up. I'm just You're, you're my thesaurus here. <laughs> the thing about um, Weino talking about how he trusts his stuff is it becomes a best-on-best best situation. When you're late in a game in the NCAA tournament right now, right, I want my best guy taking my last shot. I don't care who you have defending him. I'm going to give my best guy the, pl- the, the play. And we're going to go down with him if that's the way that it ends up going. Because I trust his 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 ability. I trust Adam Wainwright's ability to whatever the other guy's ability is at the plate. I'm going with Wainwright's best stuff. And for me to be able to say that at 39 years old for him is stunning. And Dan, I, I had some questions about what's Wainwright going to look like in this season. What's Everybody it going to, did, sure. What's it going to look like? I know he did it. He was excellent for 60 games. He was the best pitcher on the team last year. But can he repeat that in a 162 game season? Coming out of this spring training, we'll see what it looks like in August and yep, September. There's the no question of that. But man, right now, he's the stabilizing force in this rotation coming into the season again.
2: It's I, crazy. I talked to John Moselock uh, yesterday, the president of baseball operations. I said, okay, across the board, you're always studying trends in the game. And a lot has been made, and I made a lot of it with, you know, Cardinals only played 58 games last year, most teams only played 60. Starters didn't get a lot of innings. Nobody got a lot of innings. So how careful can you be with what you have coming back? And he said something really interesting. He said, "Look, you, you do look at the trends." He said, "We've never been this be, through this before. No one has." He said, "But we're going to rely on the eye test more so this year maybe than we ever have, where the analytics sometimes will tell you to go. Okay, two times through a lineup, guy gets out." He said, "I'm not sure we're going to do that." Now, again, I'm paraphrasing. And what I thought of when he was saying that, what I thought of was Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright told me a couple years ago during the NLCS against Washington, and he was he was throwing, he was on fumes, and Maddox came out and they talked, you know, should he come out, should he not? And he said, look, you got young guys in this dugout. Just give, let me, if I blow out, I blow out. I've had a hell of a career. I'm happy. I can walk off this mound knowing that I literally gave everything I got in my body. I think that's how they treat Wainwright. Now, again, I think they're going to be careful with him. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be like starting day, you know, opening day, and he's going out 9 eight. Well, he might, but I don't think that's going to be the case. But my point is I think they're going to be less uh, aggressive in taking him out of games than they will with some of
0: the others, and he's
2: 39 and will be 40 this season, and that's a, that's a big statement to say that.
0: And I've been reading more and more on this, Dan, because it's one of, in my opinion, biggest stories of the season, not just for the Cardinals, but for baseball as a whole is, okay, these guys that threw 60, 65 innings last year, what does that mean for them in 2021? Can they throw 180, 200 innings again? And the more I read about it, the more I hear from whether pitching coaches or pitchers themselves, a lot of them in Adam Wainwright's situation say, Hey, that was actually kind of good for my arm. Yeah. For oh, me yeah. To be able to have a year of not throwing that many innings. You will have that. It, it kind of felt good. And now I feel like I'm in an even better place. And there are some teams that are treating this as if, Hey, if they threw 180, 200 innings in 2019, We're going off of that number, not what they threw last year. And so I think that's what you're going to see for Waino is it's going to go back to what he did in 2019, and they're going to be able to lean on that. The younger pitchers, there's some more questions about. But the older guys that have a little bit more stability, more of a track record, those are going to be the guys that you see getting back up to their career norms. Mike Schilt on Adam Wainwright. Yeah, one thing I've always admired and appreciated about Waino is he's pretty true to who he
2: is, and I'm glad he's feeling good. He definitely looks good. Uh, I think he's true to himself. Uh, like he's always been a, a, a tremendous competitor. Um, but he just he's in control of what he's doing, and and um, you know he's enjoying himself. So you know a lot of positive things taking place
1: with wayno and um, you know we're excited for him.
2: So going back to last year, ten games started. I thought he was the MVP, certainly of the pitching staff, maybe of the team. 5-3, and three, two complete games. One of them was a 7-inning. The other was that famous 9-inning game on his birthday, which is still one of my favorite moments ever at Busch Stadium, even without fans. And it was also Yachty's 2000th game. So he comes into this season with... Well, expectations even at the age of thirty-nine, BT was on the fast lane. Brad Thompson, our analyst on Fox Sports Midwest, and talked about what he expects out of the number two for the Cardinals. My expectations for Wayno have continued to increase. Like, I've oh, I, I love Wayno, and I always believe that he's going to do something special. But it, like, you keep you look at the age, and you looked at a couple of years ago that game against the Padres where you thought he was done. The dude just keeps coming back. It's going to be a good year for Adam Wayne. That was uh, BT at a club. Um, also, <laughs> I, I did that game in San Diego. And I don't live down it, in Miami. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but uh, it was a game I'll never forget. Mike Matheny was still managing. We we're in San Diego. And Adam Wainwright could not get above probably 83 to 84 miles an hour. And I'm so thankful I didn't say this because I almost said on the air, take a look, folks, because there goes one of the great Cardinals you're ever going to see on the mound. This could be it, or this will be it. And, boy, was I wrong and everybody else. And you know how he came back? Playing catch with Dominic Leone. Really? So so Dominic Leone was back in St. Louis and recovering. Adam Wainwright was kind of an afterthought. and Everybody just thought he was done after that start. He wasn't traveling with the team. And Adam told me he just started playing catch with Dominic Leone. He said, man, my, my arm is kind of bouncing back. This is weird. And it just started feeling good. So he started building up again. And what I thought at that time was, okay, this is typical Adam Wainwright. He is forever the optimist, and he's going to try, but this is going to end ugly. And here we are, two contracts later, and the best pitcher on the staff at the age of 39. I, I just, it's just, a, it's an amazing story to watch him do it, what he's doing.
0: You know what some of this reminds me of a little bit, Dan, is um, is Kurt Warner. And it, follow me here, because it's not quite the same, but we always talk about Warner's career, and there's that little donut in the middle, right? Where it was like, okay... He was amazing, and MVP at the beginning of his career, and then he goes to the Cardinals at the end, and he goes to another Super Bowl with them, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league again towards the end of his career. But there was that donut where he was a backup in New York. He, He looked done, and he was backing up Eli Manning for a time, and it was basically because of injuries. He just wasn't himself. His body got beat down, and so he had a donut of a career there in the middle. It was the openness. It's kind of the same thing with Adam Wainwright, where you look back on 2017 to 2019, basically, and he just he wasn't the same guy that he was previously in his career. And again, it goes back to, it was injuries. His his injuries had taken a toll on his body. It was the arm. It was the Achilles. It was everything. He just wasn't quite bouncing back the way he wanted to. And he talked about it a little bit yesterday, where he said, listen, I I was trying to convince myself as much as I was trying to convince you guys that I was going to be back. And now he's not convincing himself anymore. He's just, he feels great. He feels excellent. And he's even sounding surprised by the fact that he feels so good right now.
2: Cardinal baseball is coming up on Fox Sports uh, Midwest today at noon. They'll take on the Mets. Carlos Martinez, it'll be the fourth consecutive start for Martinez against the Mets. I want to see consistency. I don't want to see walks, and I'm very curious where his velocity is today. I think those are
0: really logical and fair questions going into this start. And based on the way that his schedule is going right now, he is in line for the uh, third game of the season. He's probably going to be your number 3 starter. Don't read too much into that. That's, again, going back to your point on Wayno. They want him to start opening day here in St. Louis, so that's kind of the way that they're setting things up. It's not about the the day game number that they're getting. It's it's about where are you going to start, and they, they have other things that go into the reasons.
2: John Chomby is coming up. He is the new Cubs broadcast. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mac show on a Wednesday, and again, we have Cardinal Baseball coming up on Fox Sports Midwest at noon today as the Mets take on Carlos Martinez and the St. Louis Cardinals. We head out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line, and we say good morning to John Shambi, the new television broadcaster with the Chicago Cubs, and you know Boog from all his time at ESPN, does a fabulous job, one of the best play-by-play voices in sports today. With Brandon Kiley, I'm Dan McLaughlin, and... Uh, Hey Boog, it's great to hear your voice. How you doing? Good, Danny
1: Mac. What's happening? How's everything?
2: Well, we're doing well, and we're ready for baseball. I know you feel the same way. First of all, congratulations on one of the great jobs in our sport, which is the television voice of the Chicago Cubs. How did this all come about for you?
1: Well, a guy we both know very well, Len Casper, decided to uh, move on from the gig. I had spoken with him about it, and... You know, he he and I were talking about sort of what he was contemplating doing, and I wasn't really thinking about the idea that I might replace him. And even when he left, I really wasn't thinking about it. And then um, he left, and they called, and I kind of sat with it and, and realized, um, you know, this is a, this is a spot that I, I would be really happy in. And I think that just the more that I sat with it, You know, it it wasn't as simple as wanting to go back to a team. It's that, you know, you're talking about signature franchises in the sport. You're talking about, you know, the Yankees, the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Red Sox. You know, those are the the teams that, you know, were sort of the marker teams. And uh, I just, I I thought it was too good an opportunity to pass up. So. I'm excited.
2: Uh, you should be, and it's great, and it's a perfect fit for you and for them. And I know you haven't been asked at all about Jack Brickhouse or Harry Carey or replacing Lynn
0: Casper. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, this is probably right. the first
2: time. Has it resonated with you yet, or will it resonate, you think, when you're sitting down that first day at Wrigley Field and staring out at the Ivy when it does turn and seeing the great crowds that the Cubs get?
1: I think it's that. I think it'll be that type of stuff will uh, will hit me more You know, we did a game remotely yesterday from there, but even that, it's not the same. But I think that all of those, I've been asked that question or those questions a ton, and I think until I'm in that seat with fans in that place, I don't know that it will quite hit me. I think, in theory, I'm understanding the guys who have had the job before me and their greatness, but I don't know... um, I'm not quite sure, you know, what I feel about it, and I certainly am humbled that um, uh, you know, I'm being asked to to sit in that chair, but I I think it's I think it'll it's something that that may strike me a little bit more when, you know, April 1st comes around, their are fans in the stands and we're doing it for real.
0: Boog, what, what are you most looking forward to about being around the team every day? Because, I mean, you on the national level, you kind of parachute in and you, you've got the one game and then you go back to uh, whatever you were doing previously. But what's it going to be like for you to be able to actually follow a team throughout the ups and the downs of the 162?
1: Well, I, I think the one thing I would say is I'm looking forward, I say, hopefully of actually being around the team every day. I think that, you know, one of the things that's, you know, look, even as a national guy, one of the things that I, you know, pride myself on is trying to connect with the players and forming relationships with guys, even though I'm not around them all the time. And I know what it's like, you know, for a home fan base, you're trying to deliver the, the flavor and humanize the players and tell their stories. And the only way to do that is to get to know them in a real way and spend some time around them. So, you know, I'm I, I, on a serious note, I'm interested. You know, look, our industry is in, is in a curious place. You're talking about, you know, COVID and health, but it's also been used as a time to examine costs. And back to COVID and health, you're talking about access. And all of those things make it a little more challenging for, you know, us as broadcasters to get as much time around the players. And, you know, I hope that that is not going to continue to trend in the wrong direction because it's one of those things, I'll just say this strongly, I don't know that the fans – care that much but they should and it is incumbent upon us to advocate for it for their benefit so like whether they're actually thinking about is it a good thing or how much does it matter whether we have access um, they should care about it and I will and our access benefits them um, immensely Yeah, it's very
2: very well put. Um, You worked, though, with David Ross in the booth once he retired. So you have a relationship with the Cubs manager. What's that like when you have a guy that you've worked with? You knew him as a player, obviously, very well. Then you worked with him. He's in the booth with you. So you're going out to dinners. You're having a little fun after games. You're doing games with him. And now, all of a sudden, you have the relationship that he is – the manager, which he's protecting players, he's trying to win ball games, do all the things that a manager has to do. So, what's that like for you now in the role of broadcaster and and David Ross and the manager?
1: So David and I actually met in Atlanta. I was, I think it was '08, and he was the backup catcher to Brian McCann, and I was doing the Braves on TV. So, you know, we we go back a ways. And then, as you mentioned, he finished playing. And we were in the booth together for three years, and and you know, really got to know each other and become friends. It's I, it's really look. He advocated, you know, for me for this job. We talked privately about um, how much he thought I would enjoy the job, and then just you know the insight of having someone who you have a relationship with it's a pretty cool thing. I, I don't, I'm not really, I don't know what to tell you. I, it's, it's one of those, I, the, the other part about it is, you know, just, okay, there are going to be moments where you, you know, you say it like it is, but David's straight ahead. David's never been someone who, you know, if it needs to be said, David's going to say it. I think that, you know, one of the things in his job, some people are saying, well, he's friends with Rizzo and, You know, Brian and those guys, will he be able to criticize them? Um, And my thought was absolutely he will because it's just the way he's wired. It's the way he did it when he played. And in some sort of disconnected way, like, as, you know, former, you know, as former uh, co-workers, you know, in the broadcast booth, you know, people have asked, like, well, like, I don't know about how, you know, how you – phrase that is criticized. So it's not, you know, we're not, you know, op-ed columnists or whatever, but you're calling, you're going to say when things aren't, aren't going well, I don't really have any, you know, issues with that. And I, I just overall I'm interested to you get a chance to have an insight to know the manager. Well, be around the manager, really learn about the team. Um, and that part's fun. So, you know what? A, look, I would put it to you this way. I mean, look, Danny, you've been doing this a long time. Do it. Do it in this regard. Think if you're a Cardinal fan and, and you're diehard and you watch every single game, and just on the random occasion where something quirky happens, and you say, "I wonder why that happened." Yeah, you can, I can find out every time. Exactly. You know, and you can, and you can, you know, like that's the relationship. That you have. So, I, you know, it's that type of thing. I, that's the part that I think is cool about my relationship with, with Dave.
2: And and that goes back to the access, too. You know, that goes back right. to the following day and saying, okay, in the seventh inning mm-hmm. you decided to bring in player X to face right. player Y. Why did you do that? So you, I yeah. can explain it and get your version of this out to the fans. And that was the great thing right. about Tony La Russa. Tony La Russa, most people in the media thought he was really tough. And the reality was he's the best I've ever been around because I would do I would host his show before games boog and he would say after a tough loss and we're now doing the next game he'd say hey before we start this make sure you ask me why I didn't bring in Miller or whatever to face that yeah. lefty or he would tell you by the way before a game Miller Jones and Smith are a little ouchy so if you see that scenario come up and you wonder why we didn't go lefty lefty well this is why don't say he's right. got a barking elbow, but say he's got a 24-hour flu, whatever. But that's how he protects himself, the player, right. but also explaining it to the fans. And I think that's the great thing that you'll have uh, with David Ross, which is fantastic. Uh, Book totally. Shambi, yeah, Book Shambi is our guest. He is a TV broadcaster, obviously, with the Chicago Cubs and, and ESPN. Now, the one thing that David Ross has got with the Cubs that I find fascinating are all the guys in the final year of their deal. And, you know, you, you hear managers talk about, well, you're either managing young players, aging superstars, or guys that are in the final year of a deal and looking ahead at a contract. There are a ton. By my count, I think it's like two-thirds of the roster of the Cubs. Correct me if I'm wrong. So I, I think that's going to be really interesting how he navigates through that through this season. Is that is that fair?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, he's – look you're always sort of walking that line with players. Look, you're trying to win, but you know, baseball I think is inherently a selfish sport. You know what I mean? It's 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 the ultimate individual sport masquerading as a team sport. Isn't that the because truth? There's, there's so many of these little battles and matchups or big battles that, that it's just, it's me against you, me, you know? And so I, I look, I start with this. The dork in me tells wants me to, to tell you that, you know, studies show that guys in the last year of their contract usually get a bump in OPS of, you know, eight to ten points. So or eight to ten percent I should say. Um I think I, I you know, I think that it's one of those where the results will color and guide everything. If this team is good and um if this team is good and in contention for a playoff spot, I think all that other stuff will be easier to sort and digest, et cetera. You know, it'd be hard to imagine every one of those guys in a walk year having a, you know, a banger year, but who knows? I do. I just think that I, I will tell you this, David is the guy that can have the tough conversation. So that's the part that I'm not, you know, look, he said this to Jock Peterson in their conversation, Jock retold the story. Jock wanted to come somewhere that he thought would be a good fit, but more specifically where he'd get a chance to play against lefties. Well, first of all, in the Central, there aren't a ton of left-handed starters. That's the first point that I would make. But regardless, they're going to give him a shot. But the other thing was David said, yeah, and by June, if you're hitting 150 against lefties, like we're here to win baseball games. And he said that to him the first conversation they had. So you know, he wasn't so I, I think that underlines kind of who who David Ross is and I think uh I think that part'll be fine. I don't think that's gonna be the thing. Um I think if they're not playing well then it'll become <laughs> then it'll become a thing. You know no what doubt. I mean? Because and then everyone's asking every day, well, C B, it's your final day as a cup. Well, Anthony Renzo, your final Weak as a cub, blah, 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 you know, that type of stuff. Boog, final
0: question that I've got for you. The the big question that I have, because the lineup looks like, I mean, it can be really good. You add in yeah. Jock Peterson for Kyle Schwarber. that I mean, it's pretty close to a one-for-one replacement for me. Uh, but the question is the pitching. Do you think they have the pitching to be able to get through 162 this year?
1: Um, I think that's going to be the issue. I, what's ironic is, You know, last year, the problem was reversed. They were better at preventing people from scoring runs. I want to say, you know, in the top six-ish in that department, you know, they were tenth in runs per game. So, as bizarre over a 60-game stretch, they didn't score. I think you're right. I think this lineup, if I were to give you my best guess, I think this lineup will score. I think this will be – I think they'll be in the top third, top, you know – somewhere one through six in runs per game is what my prediction would be. I think it's a really good lineup. Um, I think that, you know, in terms of the guy at the front of the rotation is, you know, Kyle Hendricks. I think he's one of the more underrated guys in in the league. His name does not come up with, you know, the aces. And yet statistically, you know the results say he's been one of the you know probably dozen best pitchers in the league since he broke in.
2: Oh, well, he saw and young there, against the Cardinals, <laughs> by the way. So you're told you used right to that.
1: Base. Yeah, yeah. So, but I I would tell you I I think you know in today's game it's a swing and miss game. This is a staff that's going to try and do it differently. They're going to try and do it with a little more contact. They will catch the ball. I mean, the cardinals have a brilliant defense the cubs have a have a very good defense i i think that that's the thing do i think that they can get through 162 yeah do i think they're good enough to compete to win the division yes i do but that's the battle like that's the the question you know what what guys like mills trevor williams what will arieta be like i feel confident that they'll get good years out of Davies and Hendricks, they just don't have that. You know, most staffs nowadays have that 96-mile-an-hour monster with a wipeout slider. You know, his name was Hugh Darvish last year, uh, you know, and 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 a guy that, you know, is going to get a lot of strikeouts. I don't think that's what you're going to get this year.
2: It's The Cub fans are <laughs> going to be uh, in for a treat to have you. They're lucky to have you, and uh, we really appreciate your time. I, I mean it. You're, you're one of the best in baseball, so thanks for doing this.
1: Thank you, guys. That's, it's very kind of you. i would see you guys this year. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got Thanks, it. Boog.
2: That's uh, Boog Shambi, and um, he is. He's truly one of the best, and he brings up a really interesting point. One of the things I've been talking about with the Cubs is you know, you, you do have all the guys that are free agents to be, and I, I do think that's a fascinating aspect of this team. He hit on the other thing that I, I'm really interested to watch is that, I'm, I'm not saying they're soft tossers because there's guys that are throwing 92 to 94, but one through five, they don't have a guy throwing 100 miles an hour or upper 90s. This is a kind of a throwback rotation, if you want to call it that. And it, Cardinals struggle with that. Cardinals don't do well with those guys. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see. They'll have the lowest average velo for any staff in baseball this year. Would be I bet my they guess. do. I bet they do. Um, so thanks to Boog, I'm staying with Baylor. And hey, sports fans, perfect segue. Uh, Fairmont Park is now... This is the Danny Mac Show with BK. The podcast powered by I Promise. Back on the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN, that's BK, Brandon Kylie. I'm Dan McLaughlin. That was fun with uh, Book Shambi, really enjoyed that. Um, in the park or out of the park? All right, Tanner has come up with some good uh, little bullet points here, and then we just kind of comment what we think is going to happen. Let's do it. All right, Wayno makes at least 25 starts. I'll start and I'll say absolutely as long as he's healthy 25 starts counted 162 game season absolutely
0: in the park I'd be stunned if he doesn't in fact like the the, the 25 starts let's put it at 30 because I uh, barring something unforeseen barring an injury which is impossible to predict for a guy that is coming off of a healthy season knock on wood I I would absolutely say that's in the park John Gant 15 or more
2: starts in 2021 this one's interesting it, it is I I looked at and Tanner's got a list of about a hundred things here that we can talk about but this one is interesting I, I think when you look at the initial start of this season um, wouldn't surprise me if they pushed KK back now I'm not saying that they will but it wouldn't surprise me then you have the uncertainty of Miles Michaelis you don't know if he's going to pitch in April so that keeps Gant in my mind ahead of Ponce de Leon and as your uh, guy in the rotation then I have another question about is he effective or ineffective with Carlos Martinez with other guys getting healthy, so now you have some options. If he's ineffective and is not pitching well – I don't want him in the rotation. I put him in the bullpen, and I keep John Gantt in that slot, which would then easily get him to 15 or more starts.
0: Yeah, this is going to be, in my opinion, at least when we – let's say May. When you get to May, maybe it's even early June if you want to push it out a little further. Flaherty, KK, Michaelis, Wayno, those four are going to have spots. Whenever they're healthy, they're, they're going to be in your rotation. So the first month to two months of the season is really a competition between Gantt, Carlos and Ponce to see who gets to stay in the rotation when everybody else else is healthy I think at this point by the way I do think Gant is ahead of Ponce sure. so I would put him there but again let's see how it plays out in the first month here absolutely and whoever ends up pitching the best out of those three that their their mantra for the lineup if you hit you play if you pitch well you stay in the rotation is going to be the mantra for these three as well I'm going to say out of the park on John Gant, 15 or more starts. I'm going to bet in favor of Carlos Martinez here. He's done nothing to warrant that kind of praise based on his spring training performance thus far. But this is me betting on the talent, betting on the belief that when we get into the season, you get into the grind of the 162. I think Carlos is going to be better than expected. So I I will put my backing behind him, even though that has not gone well for me in the past.
2: I'm in the same boat. I, in terms of I've, I'm like a Carlos Martinez Hawk man. I I, yeah. I I he's just got so much talent so I understand where you're coming from. I think the Cardinals probably would want it that way too. Just makes their team better. Okay, this is an interesting one. Matt Carpenter at 220 average or better. The projections depending on where you look have him at 226. Now, based on spring training, he's now 1 for 30 grounded out again yesterday. He's got 13 strikeouts. Here here's where you, you got to look at Carpenter. He's not going to be a starter and the question will become whether or not he can hit as a pinch hitter coming off the bench. Now, the best thing that's going to happen for him, spring training's going to end and everybody's at zero. Everybody's equal. But how many starts is he going to get? And for a guy that has not been a bench player, it's not an easy role. It's not easy to do. Uh can he become that guy? Boy, I don't know. 220 I, I if you got 220 out of him, I'd say, okay. I mean, at this point, that's, that's the way I'd look at it. It's, it's, it's a really fine line with him and what's going on down in spring training.
0: I'm going out of the park. It, it pains me to say I I love Matt Carpenter, and I think he gets so much unfair criticism for what he has done for this organization and the player that he was at one point in his career. He had a an extended stretch of like three to five years of being one of the best hitters in baseball. Seriously, like if you look at the back of his baseball card, he has those kinds of numbers for a stretch. He's just not that guy anymore, nope. and he's not the player that he was three years ago. His bat speed is not there the way that it once was. I think there's going to be a really hard decision that is going to need to be made at some point this year, and so 220 batting average, I've got to go out of the park. I think it's going to be below that, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong here, Dan. I really do.
2: I do, too. The The final one we're going to do, we got a bunch of these. We're going to do this again tomorrow. I love this. Goldie and Arenado hit 2-3 and three in the lineup, more than 3-4. and four. Um... I'll say yes, and I'll tell you why. It's To me, them hitting two and three, and I could be reading this wrong. This is just me, is dependent on what Paul DeYoung is doing and what Tyler O'Neill is doing, or somebody, maybe a Dylan Carlson, and I, I'm expecting better seasons than maybe some. Maybe I'm too optimistic, but the point I'm me, uh, making here is that if you hit them two and three, you are top-heavy with Edmund Goldie, Arenado. So that first inning is a gauntlet for the opposing pitcher. I love that. However, you can lengthen your lineup if you put them three and four um, because then you can – I don't want to say hide. It's, you can't hide a guy like John Shambi was saying. It's you know the great mano-a-mano, if you will. It's a team sport, but yet you're one-on-one. If you move uh, those guys three and four, I think maybe it's more of an indictment that the people behind them aren't doing their job, so maybe you're trying to get somebody else up in front of them to get going. I.E. Carlson, DeYoung, O'Neill, whoever you want. Or it just means that we don't, we're so top heavy and don't have a lot in the bottom half. Once you get through those three, two, three guys,
0: then I can get through this lineup, especially with the DH not being in the National League. So that's something to consider. I get what the Cardinals are doing with this. I do. I understand it, but I do think their best case scenario this year, if you get positive indicators on all of their players, is a lineup one through six of Edmund at the top, Carlson or O'Neill batting second, depending on which, which way you want to go there. I, I could understand going O'Neill there. You get that danger in the two hole, the way that, uh, Tony LaRusa always talked about, and you get to have that switch hitter further down. Goldie three, Aronado four, DeYoung five, and then the other of O'Neill or Carlson batting sixth. I think that's their best case scenario this year for the lineup. If, everybody hits the way that we're hoping for. So I'm going to say out of the park for Goldie and Arenado hitting two, three more than three quarters of the year, because I'm hopeful that that ends up happening. Tyler O'Neill has made me a little bit of a believer. I need to see it in the regular season for an extended period of time, but everything you've seen thus far in spring would indicate to you there are actual tangible changes taking place there. And that's the kind of thing that I look for. Forget the results. Forget the numbers. Watch the way that it's happening. Watch the process. And he's going the other way. He is finding the pitches to hit, and he's actually going after them. He looks like a different player right now at the plate. He looks confident. So I'm going to go out on this. I think you see Goldie and Arenado eventually slide to that 3-4 spot. This is a big question. Are you in a good mood? I'm in a great mood, Dan. Oh, I was going to ask you, do you want to be in a great mood? Like an incredible mood. I would always prefer to be in an even better mood than I'm already in. This is gonna help you. Okay, <laughs> oh. so here,
2: here's the Cardinals lineup uh today. Interesting lineup as they'll take on uh the New York Mets. You can see the game at noon on Fox Sports Midwest. Leading off in center field, Dylan Carlson. The aforementioned Goldschmidt batting second, then Arenado, Mac Carpenter at second base, batting fourth, Yachty batting fifth, Austin Dean, who Homered off the bench yesterday is in right field. Now, this is where it's going to put a real smile on your face. Okay. John Nagowski is in left field.
0: Oh, here we go. <laughs> this here is your guy.
2: Uh, Rondon is short, and Martinez is on the mound. I, I think this is a big game for these kind of players that we're talking yeah. about, like Dean, Nagowski, Rondon. This is a Huge. chance to, to make their case. You know, you go out and go four for four, or you have a big day. Or you go three for four home run. You know, you're saying, hey, what else do I need to do to make this team? So it's a chance to push. It's coming up on your show.
0: Yeah, looking forward to the show today, Dan. We have Chris Kerber joining us for his usual spot coming up at one we We've got Greg Woshinski as well coming up in the 12 o'clock hour.
2: This is fun. Thanks to John Chambi. Great job as always, BK.
0: Appreciate you, Dan. You've
2: been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise.
1: Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music,